بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائت از دا ٹوینٹی سکس آف جانوری ان دا ایئر the recent findings scientifically in which they have discovered neurons in the human heart i.e. over 40,000 and like I mentioned this was mentioned clearly in the Quran that the heart is a function does not just pump blood around the body but it also has the capacity to understand in continuation subhanallah even in the field of DNA our beloved messenger had spoken he revealed that chromosomes bear genes representative not only of each immediate parent and their siblings but of 99 strains for each parent reaching back through both the maternal and paternal family lines all the way back to the first man and woman. So simply put, DNA obviously is a field now in which they've cracked the genetic code as they say, but it's to do with strains. And your father's side and your mother's side, etc, etc, the genetic traits are passed on to the children. But sometimes the strains, not of the immediate parents, reach the child. Our beloved Messenger even used the language as salaka, threading, in the same way biogenetics describe DNA today. So it's not even a stretch of the word. The word salaka means threading. And that is exactly what they say now, DNA threading. So what's mentioned? In Tabarani, Hassan ibn Manda, Sayyidina Malik ibn al-Huwayrith, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Truly when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to create a servant, the man has intercourse with the woman and his water flies into every irk, i.e. vein or strain, an asab, i.e. nerve of hers. Then when the seventh day comes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gathers it up and brings before it every strain between it and Adam. The Prophet then recited this verse, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in Surah 82, verse 8. فِي أَيِّ سُورَةٍ مَا شَاءَ رَقَّبَكَ Into whatever form he wills, he casts you. So this is one of those, you know, mind-blowing reports of the Prophet which only the people in the field can truly appreciate. So he started off with common knowledge. He said, when Allah wants a child to come into existence, the man and woman obviously, uh, have intercourse. But then he started using very interesting terms. He said his water flies into every irk. 
irk means vain or strain. So what is that in reference to? Our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he differentiated between dominant and recessive genes over 1,400 years ago when he revealed that a characteristic or irk strain that lay deeply buried for several generations, recessive may appear again down the line. So what did he say? That the water flies into every irk, strain and asab eye of the woman. He also noted the similarity of these hereditary laws in both man and animals. Subhanallah, both disclosures are in complete agreement with our present knowledge of the laws of heredity. So he also mentioned that it's the same for animals, which I'll mention in a bit, inshallah. But then he said something again, and each day when he's making his mind boggling, he then said, when the seventh day comes, so this is the seventh day of pregnancy. So a woman sometimes doesn't even know she's pregnant. But the Prophet specifically said the seventh day, Allah Ta'ala gathers all of the ilk and the, and the asab and every strain between the child to be and Adam. So all of the genetic codes back to Adam. And then the Prophet recited, Into whatever form he wills, he casts you. So an example is the Prophet He resembled Ibrahim So what strain did Allah the Almighty and Glorious use for his most beloved servant? It was the strain of Ibrahim that wasn't his immediate father. He was going back, you know, possibly thousands of years. So now, where does it mention animals? Are uh, similar. In Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Nasai Abu Dawud Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah Ahmad, and many others. Sayyidina Abu Huraira, radiyallahu, he relates. A desert Bedouin, he came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, my wife has given birth to a black child, I have thus disowned him. So what did the Bedouin, what was the problem he thought he had? He goes, how can my wife give birth to a child that's black? So she, obviously the child isn't mine. So I've disowned him. Rasulullah thereupon asked that Bedouin, do you own camels? The Bedouin said, yes. The Prophet asked, what color are the camels? And the Bedouin said, they are red. So he was very wealthy. Red camels are the most expensive. The Prophet then asked, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, are there any grey ones amongst them? So the Bedouin, he said, of course, there are grey ones amongst them. Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet then asked, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and how do you think this colour came to them? This is what he said, the Bedouin. Because Ya Rasulullah, irkun naza'ahu. Some strain must have grown it out. The Prophet then said, Maybe the same thing happened here. Some strain must have grown him out. He did not allow him to disown him. 
<laughs> so in this flawless report, in all the six blessed collections, the Bedouin said, he goes, Irkun In other words, he goes, the grey camel, or, you know, that they were referring to, because it's probably like a strain that's reached it, you know, a forefather. So the Prophet said, maybe one of the forefathers has reached this child. <laughs> he goes, you can't disown him. So what was the Prophet highlighting? He was highlighting, it's the same for animals. And this is completely in line with science. Hence, our beloved Messenger said to the wife of the Ansari after she gave birth to a black child and she pleaded her innocence. He said to her, you speak the truth. You have 99 strains and so does he. At the time of conception, all those strains should. And there is none, but it asks Allah the Almighty to determine resemblance through it. Subhanallah. This is recorded in Hakim al-Tirmidhi. It is Nawadir al-Usul. It's Mursar. So what happened? This time a, a female gave birth to a black child. And the people started pointing fingers. So she was pleading innocence. She goes, Ya Rasulullah, this is my child. So the Prophet said, you've spoken the truth. It is your child. Then he explained again. He goes, you have 99 strains, meaning the DNA back to Adam, and so does the husband. But at the time of conception, all of the strains should meaning all of them are now under the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of them is determined. Allah determines resemblance to the strain that he appoints. So this narration is mursal, but is confirmed in the Quran. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he recited this verse in Surah 76, verse 2. Nutfatina amshaj, a mixed fluid drop. He explained, Urukuha, the strains contained in the drop. This is recorded in Tabarani, Sa'id ibn Mansur, ibn Abi Hatim, and many other references. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He says in the Quran, that we created man from Nutfatin Amshaj. And this is usually translated a mixed fluid drop. But it doesn't mean that. Abdullah ibn Masood said, Urukuha. Allah is talking about the strains, i.e. contained in the fluid. So what does Allah say? We created man from a drop containing strains to test him. So the Quran is mentioning this. So simply put, a latent character may find its way to the newborn centuries later without resemblance to either of the immediate parents. This is why it happens. You get, a, you know, and people find it shocking. Because why on earth have we, you know, and they start accusing each other. The husband accuses the wife of being unfaithful. And this actually is a misunderstanding. If they actually check, it is the child. There's nothing untoward taking place. So where does the black child come from? It's a strain. Mm-hmm. Allah chose it. Mm-hmm. So now, why did I mention the seventh day? The Prophet said on the seventh day, 
The seventh day timing of the hadith of Malik ibn al-Huwaydith is astonishingly accurate. Well, how do we know? The sperm and the ovum single cell or zygote spends days traveling down the fallopian tube, growing and dividing to develop into a morula than a blastocyst. The blastocyst reaches the uterus at roughly the fifth day and implants into the uterine wall on about the sixth day. The process is completed by the seventh. Subhanallah. So what did the Prophet say? He said when the seventh day comes, Allah Ta'ala gathers it up and brings before it every strain. So what have they discovered? The process is completed by the seventh. How could anybody have known this? Even if I'm describing it to you, did you know this? Where about, you know, how did anybody else know it? I'm relating it just as it's mentioned. You know, if I don't really know all the ins and outs, but the Prophet mentioned, and he's talking about DNA now. That Allah Another narration clearly uses DNA threading terminology. In Tabarani, Ibn Jarir, Ibn Mardawih, Ibn Abi Hatim, and many other tafsir authorities. Sayyidina Rabah Ibn Qasir, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he asked him, what child did you get? So, Rabah Radiyallahu said, Ya Rasulullah, what else? Either a boy or a girl? Because why are you asking me what child have I got? He said that a boy or a girl. The Prophet asked, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who does he resemble? I asked, who else Ya Rasulullah? Either the mother or myself, the father. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, none of you should ever say that. How ahead of science how ahead of the science was this? None of you should ever say that. For verily, when the sperm and ovum drop settles in the uterus, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings it every lineage between it and Adam, alayhi salatu wasalam. Have you not recited this verse? Surah 82, verse 8. Into whatever form he wills, he casts you. Then the Prophet said, meaning sadaqaq, threading. So the companion made a mistake. And obviously, you know, he's not to blame. He said, who else, Ya Rasulullah, it will resemble either the mother or the father. And people even say this now. Either the mother or the father. He goes, the Prophet was duty bound to correct and immediately he corrected it. He goes, never say that. He goes, the sperm on the ovum settles in the uterus. Ah, the seventh day. Allah Ta'ala brings it every lineage and he threads. Meaning he decides what, what the child will resemble. Thus, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi regularly supplicated for strength and excellence in his sensory organs and those of his companions. And very frequently asked that these also pass on and dominate in his offspring and theirs. So the Prophet he was asking humbly that Allah gives him the best of the thread. So where is this mentioned? 
So the hadith is in Tirmidhi. And also Aisha relates a similar dua from Rasulullah also in Tirmidhi. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he seldom rose from a sitting before he first supplicated in these words for his companions. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, grant us to enjoy use of our hearings, our sights, our strengths, as long as you give us life. And make that our inheritor, i.e. pass it on to our posterity. <laughs> so the Prophet ﷺ was asking Allah to let them make full use of the blessings and to pass on all the healthy to the children. <laughs> and look what the hadith says. The Prophet seldom rose from a sitting before he made this dua for his companions. Because Rasulullah's lineage is preserved, وسلم, he was making dua for them. He goes, Ya Allah, bless their children. I give them the best. Let them inherit the best. So now there's another thing which is very interesting. The Prophet ﷺ, when people would ask, we want to get married. So he would tell the companions, find out about the lineage. Ask if there's any ailments because it can be passed on. This sunnah, people completely oblivious to. Then what happened? You get married. All of a sudden, your children are ill. And then what's happening? And the, then suddenly the wife wakes up. Oh, this is found in our family. And the husband goes, I didn't know that. So what's happened? You didn't go with the Prophet's recommendations. When you get married, you need to find out about the family. And how many times do unnecessarily people suffer? Right? You know, how many times, you, for example, there may be deafness in the family. They don't mention it. People get married and two or three of your children are deaf. There might be other illnesses, you know, a heritage illness, you know, maybe a muscle-wasting illness. And then children die from it. So notice if you leave the revelation, you're gonna get you know, you're gonna get harmed. So now this doesn't mean you just go and ask. The husband doesn't go, I don't know if any illnesses in your family. It's a tariqa, there's a other. So who asks? It's the females. The females say, look, you can ask about us in our family. There's yes, this ailment has emerged. And then they politely ask, is there anything here? And then if anybody queries, you say, look, we're just concerned for the future children. We don't want children to suffer. And this is something which the Prophet greatly encouraged. In fact, he himself was very particular. One report says that he was, he either married or he was thinking of marrying. But I think he did marry. And then he noticed a white spot on the shoulder of his wife. He separated from her. He gave, you know, what the Quran says, gives a gift. He honorably separated. Why did he not proceed with the marriage? Because there was a blemish. And he knew that this was going to be passed on. So note, the Prophet himself set the standards. Nothing personal. Right? So again, note, all of this is from Rasulullah But... What I mentioned today is mind-boggling. He's using terms of DNA, modern terms, threading, salakak, 
And the Quran mentions it, the Sunnah mentions it, and the Prophet was making regular du'as for it and encouraging you to make sure you don't, you know, cause your own problems. <laughs> so not again. And then people ask, then what are those poor men and women supposed to do who got maybe an ailment in their family? And the response is, they can get married. No stopping them from getting married as long as it's made clear. <laughs> All above board, as they say, you know, subhanAllah. <laughs> So note again here, yesterday I mentioned the heart. The Quran and Sunnah mentions the heart is a function that thinks. This is again ahead of science. Now even more amazing, he's talking about DNA. So again, he's the final messenger. And our question again and again to all those who don't have Iman, how could any man have known this without making any errors over 1,400 years ago, considering the society he was in at the time. That allowed it. So, well, let me just add this to finish. If you look at the human body, it's amazing. Right down to the humble nails. So what is strange about the nails? If the nails were as hard as bones, they would damage our skin when we scratched. So technically, if you ask a doctor or a physician, what is the nail? And they give a term, but what they're actually saying is, it's between the skin and a bone. It's not a quite a bone, it's not quite skin. You ask them, what if it was bone? He goes, you would harm yourself. At the same time, if the nails were too soft, we would not be able to rid ourselves of itch. Thus, Allah the Almighty has made the nail in such a unique way that it does not damage our skin when we scratch and at the same time made it hard enough to get rid of the itch which has been bothering you. Note also at the same time, there is a spot on the bike where if it itches, one simply cannot reach no matter how hard one tries. So what is the wisdom of this? <laughs> Subhanallah, it was as if the Almighty and Glorious was subtly teaching us through example to display humility and helplessness to the Lord of the Worlds. So it's called, what's interesting, you got your, you got your blind spot. <laughs> Why is Allah giving you a blind spot? <laughs> to put you in your place. <laughs> Why is there a spot you can't get to when you itch? To put you in your place. <laughs> But people again, oblivious, not even thinking about what Allah Ta'ala's, how He's designed and created you. And also the nails, which is very interesting. In the books of Tafsir, it mentions that the nails were actually the clothing of the people of paradise. So Adam والسلام, his entire body was covered, covered by the nail. That was his clothing. But when he ate from the tree, the clothing receded and only the remnants were left at the end of the fingers. So what's interesting about that? From the remnants we've got, we know it's waterproof. We know that it keeps warmth. Blood supply takes place in there. And if you look at all of the attributes of the nail, it's perfect for clothing. Perfect. So why have you only got the remnants? Because from what happened in paradise, they ate. So the clothing itself, and so think about that, look how ajeeb this substance is, or this creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
But what's interesting, if it grows, you got a period of 40 days to cut the nails. Well, obviously, don't leave it that long. Otherwise, shaitan settles in there. Right? So this is in the worldly sense. So we need to cut after a certain time. And the scholars point out that those who dabble in the black arts, they have long nails. That's one of the signs. And dirt accumulates in those nails. This is a sign of, obviously, the satanic elements. Astaghfirullah. So all I mentioned today was basically our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa talking about DNA. And again, how strange a statement to make to many. Because what would your prophet over 1,400 years ago talk about DNA? What was he talking? Straight away, you got the interest. Yeah. When you go through the reports, watch their jaws drop. Yeah. Are there any questions you'll ask?